just the fact that they believe that he's the best coach is unbelievably powerful. Then if the fact that he is as well, like that's the buy-in that sometimes coaches, if there's any bit of doubt, they don't get that. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hurling on Off The Ball with Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Now you're uh, very welcome back. So Michael Verney of the Irish Independent is with us. Evening, Michael. Joe, how are you? Very well. Far too much football talk around these parts for my liking, Michael. Let's get into some good old-fashioned hurling, the most neglected sport of the last uh, couple of months. We'll talk in a moment about Limerick Tipperary and Kilkenny Cork. Uh, first of all, there has been much discussion about the apathy with which the league has almost been uh, treated by various teams. Where are you in broad terms? Have you enjoyed going to the league games? Have they not cut the mustard? Uh, where is the, the health of the hurling league 2023? I'm not sure if I'm the best person to ask Joe because I'd, be, I'd enjoy going to a junior C game, let alone a, you know, a competitive inter-county game. But realistically, when you have a case, and it's very, very similar with the football finals this weekend, when you have a case where you are nearly almost punishing the high-achieving teams, the winning teams, the teams that are going for trophies by, you know, get when they get to league finals now, there's, you know, in Mayo's case in the football, there's a week to their championship game. In Limerick's case, in the Hurling, there's two weeks to the start of their championship. So there's something a little bit off there um, that as, as regards the, the proximity to the championship. Then there's a whole other debate about would say the Westmeads, the Offleys, the Antrims, the Kerrys, who are just kind of yo-yoing up and down from Division One and taking twenty-point beatings and not really, you know, getting that now that. Like there's a massive game on Sunday between Kildare and Offaly, and with the best will in the world, and particularly if it's Kildare, if they win, it'll be a massive win, and they'll be playing Division One hurling. But that it'll be that's grand for a couple of months, and then there'll be a dose of realism when the league comes around next year under the current structures, where they're going to really struggle. They're going to be thrown in against five of the bigger hitters in Group One A, as Offaly were last year, as Westmead were this year, as Westmead were the year before that, and they're going to take drubbing. So the whole structure has to be looked at. I personally will be going back to the old like Division One A and Division One B, where it's on a ranking system: one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven. And then one, two, three, then eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 in one B. And then the, the squeeze middle, as they call it, the Offleys, the Kerrys, the Kildares are getting meaningful games against teams that are just above them. And the big hitters can, you know, beat the crap out of each other for, you know, six or seven weeks over the springtime. And in some ways, what happened to Waterford last year looms large, you suspect, in the thinking of many managers, where Waterford were uh, brilliant in the league and looked full of energy and super fit and ready to go. And then there was effectively a complete collapse from minute one of the championship. Uh, Rightly or wrongly, that does seem to be in the minds of uh, all the top teams. And it might take someone to a do of Waterford and then have a very good championship to to convince but it goes beyond that I remember Tipperary a couple of years ago after going well in the league and then suffering in the Ren Robin uh, members of that team came out and said well maybe we need to revisit how much we put into the league so that that view seems to definitely have embedded Michael I don't know are, are Waterford quoted very often? Uh, no I, I think from anecdotally what I'm hearing is it was two weeks from the, the start of the Munster Championship to the end of the league. They obviously had that massive high, a pitch invasion down in Turles on that Saturday night. And I, I, I'm actually not sure if they enjoyed it enough 
from what I'm hearing about it. And then they nearly went straight back into training. And the two-week gap then between rounds two and three, they went hell for leather again. So it was nearly, the button was always on. There was, you know, there were there were, there were highs, but they were trying to, to keep those highs. There was no lows. There was no dips. There was no four to five weeks to allow for a training block of, you know, a week's rest after a game. Well, rest and recovery high for two or three weeks and then taper back down the time is just not there now now you're saying about you know it'll take a team to go really well in league and championship maybe to book that trend well Limerick are definitely the most likely to do it anyway and you know since the since the, since the Cork game they've been pretty high the whole way through and they're hitting you know a higher peak nearly with every game so that, there's one team that I don't expect to drop off at all come championship especially with the big names that they have to come back yeah well let's talk a bit more then Limerick 128 Tipperary 25 points on Saturday night under lights uh, tip ahead for a fair portion of this game in the second half Limerick didn't miss a single shot until the final minute 115 to nine points every Limerick player from number four through to 15 scored at least once so there was a degree here of okay we see what you're doing Tipperary let's just remind you where the level is yeah Joe I've never seen a team across any sport I can think of their ability to adapt and think mid-game is outstanding you see so many teams uh, you know, I remember the, the famous Tyson quote about, you know, everybody has a plan until they get boxed in the face. So Limerick get, regularly get boxed in the face and are able to take it and just regroup, whether it's a half time or a couple of years ago, whether it's at a water break. They're just able to regroup. I don't know what stats, you know, and analysis Sean O'Donnell, the, the great stats man, is sending down to the lads at half time and what Paul Kanurk is saying and what John Kiley is saying. But the message is obviously clearly on the money and they obviously, in the second half, the up the physical stakes again. They, you know, t- not the tip were bullying them in the first half, but tip were matching them and maybe overmatching them a bit physically. Um, there was an element of tip cannot keep this up for 70, 75 minutes. And there was also an element of, okay, Limerick are just getting in their groove now. I think, yeah, you said, they, I think they dropped a shot short in the second half or maybe two, but they didn't hit a wide. But in the first half, they scored 12 of 24 chances and they would have been massacred over that at halftime massacred 50% it's it's 70 to 75% is what they're looking for on a given day and to have you know the guts of 100% in the second half is phenomenal but I've, I've never seen a team to adapt as well mid-game uh, as Limerick you know usually when you're on the field and I've been chatting a few different players about this if you're overawed by you know your opponent or a team and they have a run on you it's so difficult to stop that there and then usually you're like oh we'll get a crack at them the next day or I'd love to play them again or we learn from it the next day out and we won't be complacent or whatever Limerick are able to take all that and adapt during the game and it's phenomenal and not just adapt like completely turn the game on its head and that's what they did uh, on Saturday night and it was phenomenal to look at within there were what there were four down at the break within 10 minutes they were level within 11 minutes they were up in the second half and they were never going to lose thereafter. The one thing from Tip's point of view, it went to nine at one stage and you're thinking, this could be an absolute hammer. And in fairness to them, and I think Liam Cattle would be delighted with this, would be the thing he'd be most happy about is that they were just able to hang on to their coattails and not suffer a 15 or 20 point beating that would have put all their league to date, uh, to bed basically. Yeah, and your colleague Colin Keyes had an amazing statistic which just underlines the point so and this is a Tipperary Limerick specific but it it bears out the second half 
dominance that you reference across the board on Limerick's part. So 11 games against John Kiley's Limerick for Tipperary. Uh, before half time, Limerick are minus 22 points. They are 22 points behind Tipperary before half time. After half time, they're 69 points ahead. So I don't know what's yeah. happening there. Do you see that as like uh, Kylie and, and, and you know, the, the, the brains of Knurk and, and anyone else you care to mention? Do you see this, uh, Michael, as like tactical adjustments and OK, we see what you're doing and we're going to just change our point of emphasis tactically? Or, or is there just a degree of not even tactics necessarily changing? It's almost like Limerick as a group look at each other at half time and just seem to up the ante. Yeah, there's probably a few different facets in it. I'd say physically, like tip through everything they had at them in that first half the other night, everything, and we're getting hot and heavy with them. But to call a spade a spade, they weren't able to keep it up for 70 or 75 minutes. I remember yeah. Waterford in the semi-final a couple of years ago, they, they just went at Limerick so hard in the first 20 minutes that they were nearly out on their feet thereafter. So physically, there's definitely one part of it of not being able to you know, match up with Limerick for you know what they need to do over a 75 to 80 minute period. Tactically then, it's like, as I said, they're able to adapt to what they see. Like Limerick retreated, you know, at least 13 men behind the ball at different stages in the second half. Peter Casey was like a sweeping corner forward almost. We know him for like shooting the lights out and scoring four or five points from playing in the Ireland final. He's dropping, you know, ridiculously deep. And that's what they did. They clogged up all the Limerick or the temporary space that Jason Ford, Alan Tynan, etc. were excelling in the first half. They had no space to operate in. They just choked them out. There were two particular scores in the second half. It's a, it's a mixture of everything, Joe. Their skill level is unbelievably high. Jake Morris has a half goal chance at one end. He's kind of turned over two to three stick passes and it's a point over the bar at the other end. Noel McGrath has a chance from out underneath the stand. It drops short. Bang, bang, bang. It's over the bar at the other end. So they have, they have teams tactically. They have teams physically. But I think skill-wise, they have teams as well. They execute their plan to absolute perfection and uh, Mm. part of it is probably as well that muscle memory of when a game is coming down the stretch you don't panic you're not looking for the finish line you're just looking to get more scores on the board and like Limerick have never lost a fight this Limerick team has never lost a final as well so this is the interesting part even going into this Kilkenny final (laughs) as well an interesting part as well of you know if they were to be defeated in a final you know would that dent their confidence at all but it, do, it doesn't look like it and they go, they go into the final as roaring hot favourites as well of course yes or would a loss make them incredibly angry and they'd win the next 25 All-Irelands I mean who knows just just on that Joe yeah. like if you're going to beat Limerick at this stage a, this is the thing about the round robin that's bad for other teams you want to beat Limerick in a knockout game you do not want to have to play them again Kilkenny beat them in a semi-final in, in 19 yeah. Limerick probably would have fancied their chances in you know, eight out of the next ten games, but it wasn't a round robin game. It wasn't a provincial game. So, like, if they are to be beaten, if that little, if there's any element of complacency, that will be knocked off them in in a, in a defeat. So, it's kind of a difficult one. If you're going to beat them, you kind of have to really beat them when it matters. Yes, uh, nineteen in a perverse way, potentially Brian Cody's finest hour. That brings us to Kilkenny. They beat Cork two twenty two to Cork's twenty two points, so six point win. Billy Drennan scored one thirteen, eight of them frees, four sixty fives. But that's a very healthy return return for a new man on the scene there. Uh, Cork's lack of intensity, lack of physicality, has been much critiqued. Michael, what would you say about this game? And and then give us a view on on Kilkenny under Derek Ling. It was a funny game from a Cork perspective, Joe, because 
I, you know, I was looking at it from the, the press box and I wasn't 100% sure of what exactly they were trying to do. Um, they seemed to be caught between a couple of different styles of they played the ball through the hand and it was, you know, off the shoulder pass and maybe to about the 65 and then they were delivering ball in. But the ball they were delivering in for, you know, relatively young, athletic, speedy forwards was just not up to scratch, really. It wasn't that real kind of fast ball out to a side away from a defender. It was, you know, it was a 60-40 ball in the, in the forward's favour. It was kind of strange in that respect. I thought they'd use the ball an awful lot an awful lot better, like they had during the league. Um, they obviously went down... They obviously went down a man as well when Owen Downey got sent off and that kind of, you know, that, kind of, that curtailed them a fair bit too and Kilkenny got a bit of a head of steam. But again, like Tipperary, they probably could have been beaten out of sight and they got it back to four in injury time. But I, I, I'm a bit of a doubt in Thomas with Joe Cork because, uh, because or, or with Cork Joe because I've went all in on them before a couple yeah. of times and I've been left with egg on my face and I was kind of a bit of a believer going into that game on Sunday. And now I'm a bit of a doubt in Thomas again because you're just not 100% sure what you're going to get on a given day with them. And I think they were kind of caught between styles the other day. As regards Kilkenny, uh, Kilkenny are blending the modern and the old methods. A lot of, you know, a lot of what Brian Cody, you know, did for the, the 23 seasons he was in charge there still remains. It's just a bit of a modern mix to it. Uh, their they're striking is a bit crisper in around that, you know, 25, 30 yard pass where they're trying to build there's more runners off the shoulder now than there was before. And in the likes of Billy Drennan, uh, Timmy Clifford, David Blanchfield, Derek Corcoran, there's a nice sprinkling of new faces coming in. And that's not to mention TJ Reid, Adrian Mullen, um, and a couple, mo- a couple more that will be back in time. Owen Cody was missing for the weekend as well. So they're in a pretty good place, particularly depth-wise. There's a fair depth to that Kilkenny squad. And you'd have to say... Like after being beaten by Tipperary in the league and being, being beaten pretty comprehensively, Derek Ling has bounced back fairly spectacularly. And if you're looking at, you know, a team that will not care about, you know, when you know, won't be worrying about whether he's going to go 100 percent for the league or not, they will go hammer and tongs for the league because they see it as a great opportunity to get silverware. Cody always targeted the league, always tried to get silverware. So in that sense, I think you're set up for a humdinger of a final. So look, you'd have a great feel for how much to read into the league and, and, and you would have seen all the games. I think all of us know that Limerick go into the All-Ireland series as roaring red-hot favourites. How do you see, based on the league and how much you want to read into different aspects, how do you see the pecking order of the chasing pack at the moment, Michael? And how, and how close is number two to Limerick? Uh, probably not as close as they were last year, Joe, I'd say. Just because... You know, Keen Lynch, two-time hurler of the year, is back and he's back in form. Like Limerick were in trouble. 20, 21 minutes into the first half, he comes up with two or three big plays, get them, gets them back into a game. You know, Gerard Hegarty didn't play the other night. Dan Morrissey didn't play the other night. Kyle Hayes didn't play the other night. Uh, their depth has increased immensely, I would say, in the off-season. You the likes of Colin Coughlin coming in now, Adam English, Colin Neal was brilliant the other night, Dunnick O'Dolic. There are a lot of names that we haven't really heard before. So they're getting stronger. So if anything, the gap, which was quite close last year, Kilkenny got within a score. Claire drew with them three times, I think, last year. And we're only beating an extra time. The gap, to me, has grown probably a bit. I'm unsure about where Claire are at the moment. I think... If I'm looking at the, the pecking order, I probably still have Limerick one, Kilkenny two, and probably I have been haven't been blown away by Galway in the league. Now they haven't had a full strength squad or anything out, but I think the two teams that played in the All Ireland final last year are still one and two, and that's a bit of a contradiction in a sense because Munster is a fair bit stronger than Leinster, but Kilkenny kind of. 
be little any arguments about that any time they play any of those big teams. They blew away Clare last year and they were very close to Limerick in all Ireland final. So I think it's probably Limerick 1, Kilkenny 2 um, and a myriad of teams there in around Clare, Cork, I'd have Waterford a fair bit down the pecking order. I haven't been impressed with what I've seen with them so far in the league. Uh, they're trying a lot of different things. Um, one is Daisy Hutchinson out around the middle of the field, which I, I can't get my head around, given he's one of the best inside forwards in the country. Maybe we're being hoodwinked and there'll be a different team come a championship, but they're playing Limerick in the first round. So yeah. um, they're going to get a fairly rude awakening come uh, April 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, because even I mean, I caught Henry Shefflin talking about after one game which was heavily criticised on the television highlights about lacking intensity uh, Shefflin was kind of saying oh to be fair there are different training loads at the moment and periodization happening and, and so you know I, I felt like that was as close as any managers were going to come out and say just bear with us what you're seeing here may not reflect reality and you know he can't come out and, and, and say it too explicitly yeah um, the only thing is is that all teams are going through different blocks at the moment Limerick were in Portugal I think Cork were heading off to Johnstown House in a couple of weeks everyone's I think the vast majority of teams now are doing pretty heavy training throughout the league and yeah. just playing through the games at the weekend um, and you kind of have to because of the proximity to the championship you just have to get that big load of training in so uh, I, I, I just I'd go with the teams that are actually in, in showing a bit of form yeah. I think it's good like I think Limerick's Limerick's graph will only grow as the season goes on Kilkenny's having kind of been put back in their box maybe against Tip they're only going to get better as well given the personnel that they have coming back and just a quick one as well on, on Richie Hogan starting at the weekend it was his first game to start for Kilkenny in nearly two and a half years since the 2020 All-Ireland semi-final and his perseverance is Unbelievable, I, you know, a, a guy who's riddled with injury, uh, back spasms, back problems, all sorts of different muscle problems, and he just keeps going and going. He played 50 minutes the other day, and he looked pretty sharp. And I think that's a, a it's a great thing for the hurling championship even just to have a guy like that. It's nine years since he was hurler of the year. Um, still, and he's been still, had an inj- still a joy yeah. to watch, Michael. Oh yeah, he's beautiful to watch. He's beautiful to watch, and just uh, it's it's something we won't get into now, but yeah. Like he could easily have been the best player of the last decade, injury-free. I know. And it's I, just a pity that we've been robbed of that. I but know. he might yet have that swan song. Well, I'd lo- you'd love it. You'd love it. And I, I remember him being on the show after the red card in the final and he was talking about his back. And, you know, even to go and have a puck around on his own in a field isn't really doable without lengthy warm-up and almost a physio massaging him, getting going. So Lord knows what he's done to get himself back playing. Uh, we are out of time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Cheers, Joe. Michael Verney of the Irish Independent with us and hurling on off the ball is with thanks to Board Gosh Energy proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship and the Legends Tour Series as well which takes place at Crow Park Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship <laughs>